Hello, welcome to Stump Death and Taxes. Hello, I'm Meep, otherwise known as Mary Pat Campbell, and today I'm talking interest rates, inflation, taxes, and public finance in general. How about those global markets, eh? So we've had an increase in the federal funds rate last week, 75 basis points. I was kind of hoping for the full percentage point increase more just to make a point, ha ha ha, than anything else. I actually am expecting further rate increases myself, but we will see. And uh, in addition, Liz Truss, the new prime minister in the United Kingdom, has announced various policies or plans, which of course may change given what the response of the markets has been, given the drop in the British pound sterling. Um, because as many people are finding out, you can't just say, well, no, we're not going to tax you. We're not going to bring in more money or shrink money supply and just throw out a bunch of goodies to everybody, though that is very popular. It's becoming very clear that this is not a sustainable situation, especially since all of these throwing out the goodies are intended for short term relief, um, though it's having an effect on long-term balance sheets. So let me not be too wonky today. Yes, it's tax rates. Yes, it's in inflation. Yes, it's interest rates. But I just want to make it fairly simple. Uh, everyone's been having to deal with inflation. You know, you go to the grocery store, you see the prices are more and more expensive or you're finding that you're adjusting what you buy or how much you buy of certain things um, so that you don't get quite as pinched. A lot of people are sharing tips and it's taking me back to the early 1980s from when I was a little kid, but I also have in my house some uh, issues of the Tightwad Gazette, uh, anyone who is familiar with that, of looking at ways to save money. Now, the problem is, of course, Stuart and I are long-term Tightwads, so there's only so much we can squeeze even further, and that will only save you so much from inflation in any case. Um, so I have been looking around with regards to uh, research surrounding inflation. It has been a while since we've had inflation at this level in the United States, but also with regards to the interest rates, though interest rates are not quite at the level that we saw the last time inflation was about this level as well. So we still have a way to go on the interest rates. That's why I'm still expecting interest rates to go up some, but we'll see. Um, so uh, on Twitter this morning, I saw a graph and again, on the Substack, I always like to put links and notes and graphs and stuff that are related to this podcast. Um, so this is exhibit one, cases of inflation above 5% in advanced economies, 1980 to 2020. And how many years did it take for that inflation level to decline to 2% per year? 
So once inflation is above 5% in advanced economies, it takes on average 10 years to drop to 2%. And then they have a column graph showing these various countries such as Finland and Greece and the US and Belgium and all of this. And when you look at the actual countries and then how many years it took, so it's when were they at inflation levels above 5%? And then you might say, why 5%? 5%. What's so special about that? Especially since I know I'm looking at this and I'm like, well, geez, uh, inflation was well above 5% in the U.S. in 1980. Um, and you'll see a lot of these countries and they started at 1980. And I'm thinking, why did they start at 1980? Greece, 1980, Italy, 1980, Portugal, 1980, Spain, 1980, Finland, 1980. You start to see a pattern here. They were all at inflation levels above 5% in 1980. U.S. was at inflation above 5% in 1990. Uh, Netherlands in 2001. So these aren't exactly random patterns. I'm not sure that you really can get a conclusion from this. And this is one of the problems with inflation and with interest rates, unlike with say equity returns, which and anyone who's been in the market and is foolish enough to look at what the markets do, equity returns and equity markets do have a tendency to jump. Uh, so this is why many people who model these will want to use jump processes and not something that's necessarily continuous or smooth. But if you're doing something like inflation or interest rates, usually you do use smooth processes that they don't jump. You don't jump from inflation being zero to 8% to 3% generally. Usually it's a smooth process. Similarly for interest rates, and no, it's not just because of central bank policy. It's because of the nature of prices. It's because of the nature of human behavior, because all of these things, prices are just information between people and inflation has to do with the price of money, essentially. And of course, it, it can be affected in different ways. There are a couple different things that are affecting that price of money and why things are getting inflated right now in various places. Uh, yes, some of the conflict with Russia and Ukraine is affecting it. I'm not going to disagree, especially with regards to energy inflation or specific items the supply is coming down, so the price of those specific items are going up. And energy obviously is an input to several things that you need to buy because it gets transported. And, you know, gasoline goes into that cost of transportation. So energy is a driver for inflation for many things. But also, and this is what I really want to talk about today, is the public finance and public policy and what public finance has been like for decades is not fully paying for 
what our budgets are. Uh, there's always been a borrowing component and there's different ways there've been borrowing. There's been explicit borrowing in, you know, issuing bonds. And then there's been some implicit borrowing, such as with the social security uh, trust fund. And, and you might be thinking, no, isn't that explicit borrowing? Well, kind of, but they're not exactly real bonds. Oh, they're real bonds. They're on paper. Yeah, okay. It's an IOU from the government to itself. It's like me writing an IOU to myself, borrowing from one part of my budget to another. So that's implicit borrowing. I'm really borrowing from future generations in that kind of borrowing versus issuing a bond that I have to sell in the market to people right now. In any case, those bonds that are in the Social Security Trust Fund are getting redeemed right now because the cash flow is going the wrong way. That means the taxes that are getting collected off of payroll are not enough to cover the benefits going out because I'm not counting the quote interest payments on those bonds because that's part of the borrowing. Um, so I'm just talking about pure cash flows. So those tax cash flows are not enough to cover the benefits. Therefore, we're in a cash flow negative position for the Social Security Trust Fund. That's just one of the many things that's going on. Uh, what most of the writing has been about lately are the new spending, such as uh, forgiving student loans, for example, and then various pandemic, and, and I'm just going to put it in scare quotes, related spending, where they're just throwing money around to whoever. Um, and a lot of the money was not targeted to those who necessarily need it, just a lot of money thrown around or taxes cut or whatever. And so revenue may have dropped for the sovereign, that is the nations like that actually issue the currency. So, you know, these can be sources of inflation. Well, then you have the central banks trying to tamp down inflation. <laughs> And of course, with inflation, you are eroding the value of the money for everybody, no matter how good or bad they behave. Uh, and that's, you know, not fun. Um, and uh, I, I went looking for some support of, okay, so what's the ideal amount of inflation? And why does the Federal Reserve target 2%, well, they don't like deflation, and there are reasons for that. Uh, and a 2% gives them some leeway that they don't dip into severe deflation uh, situation. But I found a paper from Brookings from 2018, where they're trying to argue for a higher inflation target or nominal rates of 5%, I guess, interest rates, um, because they wanted more slack in the case they needed the Federal Reserve to drop interest rate, because 
If you may recall, we had interest rates, short-term interest rates at near zero for years following the 2008 financial crisis. They dropped it to zero. This is the short-term rates and it stayed at zero for what, seven years before they even tried to notch it up a little bit. Um, and then it came back down, of course, during the pandemic. And then they've been bringing it back up because of inflation lately. Uh, and it's been kind of climbing somewhat steeply, these interest rates. And if you look at the dot plots, that's from the, the central bank, uh, the open market committee of where they think the interest rates, they are the ones who are going to be setting the future where they think that's going to go. They think they're going to be putting it back down again. Um, it, you know, I'm not quite sure how good they are at this forecasting, even though they're the ones who are going to be moving the interest rates. So that's interesting to think about. Um, and of course, all of these choices, all of these decisions being made by the Federal Reserve Open Market Committee is affecting individuals in the United States and worldwide. Um, it has multiple repercussions. And to a certain extent, you know, it, it does affect longer term interest rates and the rates at which the federal government can borrow. So if the federal government keeps trying to spend like drunken sailors and, you know, I don't want to uh, be insulting drunken sailors here. They actually have a limit of how much they can spend. And it's, it's actually not an insult to drunken sailors either. The, those they are trying to buy from know that they have only so much money. The credit cards will hit a limit. They will run out of cash. Um, those drunken sailors can only spend so much versus the U.S. federal government. And it's not just the president who, by fiat, says, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm just going to say $500 billion. Poof, there it went. Um, U.S. Congress is just as bad, and it doesn't matter. It's not just Democrats. Republicans are just as bad. Uh, you know, lowering tax rates without... And no, lowering tax rates does not always lead to an increase in revenue. It sometimes does. Not going to disagree. But if you're doing that and not reducing how much is being spent, I mean, what's going to happen? So Megan McArdle recently, so uh, 23rd of September uh, 2022, wrote on the online Washington Post, governments need to realize that the era of economic freebies is over. So where you could just keep, you know, I'd gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. And it's for just short term operational spending. I'm not even talking about Social Security here, which is more of the long term spending, but just the short term stuff. So when inflation was quiescent and real interest rates, I'm quoting her now, when inflation was quiescent and real interest rates were hovering near zero, politicians could pursue their policy goals or heck, just pander for votes by injecting some borrowed money. 
And boy, did they. But when inflation is high, the central bank will set about undoing these actions by tightening monetary policy, and markets will make you pay with higher bond yields. Boost the economy with borrowed money, and you will see the gains clawed back by higher interest rates. The resulting economic contraction and inflation will erase the political gains along with the economic ones. And that's the dynamic we're seeing right now. Um, and that is the argument McArdle is making. For the longest time, we were defying fiscal gravity, as it were. We had relatively low interest rates. We had relatively low inflation, a fairly good growth going on. We had a, a stock market that had been growing. We had a very long bull run, uh, both, um, I'm sorry, the Obama administration had it pretty good with regards to the economic environment they were in. Um, and uh, also the Trump administration, the various Congresses, Democratic and Republican, they could do stuff like, you know, throw out gimmies and cut taxes without too much in the way of repercussions in inflation and, you know, economic hard times. But it seems that the bill is coming due for whatever reason. It's, I guess it's like a Ponzi scheme. It's, and it's not exactly that, but you can borrow just a little bit. You can extend your leverage just a little bit and you can keep it going for a while. It's sustainable for a while, but that for a while is over. So this is how McArdle closes. The past 15 years have convinced a lot of people that they didn't have to face unpleasant truths that hard realities could always be magicked away with more government money. But the real economic constraints were always there underneath, waiting to reassert themselves. Now they have, and if governments don't deal with those realities, reality will deal harshly with them. And here's the thing, and I don't think she even brought it up in the longer column, all the ones that they're talking about now is all very short-term stuff. I mentioned this in some prior podcasts, the student debt, uh, you know, forgiveness. That's pretty short-term. People acquired that debt and it's, I'm sorry, not a lot of money, frankly, compared to the amount of money needed to pay for a retirement. Um, and it's, it's not a lot of money necessarily compared to retiree health care costs. It's puny. And I'm sure that doesn't make those who have the student debt feel good. Um, and that's why I mentioned, you know, maybe they'll forgive you that debt because they're expecting you to be paying for that Social Security and for that Medicare. And... And if you balk at that and point out you're not really expecting very much from those programs because of the demographic realities of the long-term sustainability of those programs, well, guess what? Those older generations are going to turn around and say, we paid into those programs, we earned it. And that's why it's called an entitlement, because the people feel entitled to it. And it doesn't matter that you tell them, 
I'm sorry, you didn't earn that. You just paid taxes that went to pay for the prior generations. And the money you paid was went immediately out to pay for federal spending right then and just filled up a trust fund with IOUs. IOUs from the government to the government, which were meaningless. And if the later generations don't feel like paying it, guess what? And that wasn't, that's long-term. What McArdle is writing about and what others have been writing about right now, what's going on with Liz Truss in the United Kingdom, what's going on right now with all of the goodies is all short-term goodies, not long-term promises that nobody is addressing right now because it's ugly and it's going to be a very bad catastrophe within a decade because nobody's wanting to deal with it while it's i mean it's it's ugly um and of course people have been warning about this for decades because it's it's a foreseeable disaster and there have been adjustments over the years uh, increased payroll taxes. This happened in the 1990s and 1980s and increased taxes on benefits, on social security benefits. Um, things went up, things go down. Um, and there can be further adjustments. The benefits can go down, the taxes can go up. All sorts of things can happen. Um, they try to make it indirect so that you don't see the moving parts. But in the interim, votes have to be gotten, and the way you get them is by making promises that are achievable in the short term, but evidently keep extending the credit card and extending the leverage. But, you know, I don't know. The, there's a lot of volatility in the markets right now. I don't know how that will shake out. So that should be interesting and, quote, scare quote, fun to watch. So that's been stump death and expect more taxes. As uh, it has been said many times, death comes only once. Well, in uh, reality, it comes only once in fantasy. If you're a zombie, it comes many times. But taxes definitely come many, many times and expect it to come more, more in frequency and severity, as the actuaries like to say. So talk to y'all later. Bye-bye. Oh.